This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, from underfunded courts to transparency and legal education to immigration reform, there are many current hot-button issues facing the legal profession today. And on Ringler Radio, we're especially pleased to talk to the new president of the American Bar Association about some of those important initiatives and the ABA's goals for the future. But before we introduce our special guest, let me welcome as my co-host, Mike Casey. Mike's the longtime chairman of the board of Ringler Associates and head of our uh, Chicago office. Mike, how are you? Welcome to Ringler Radio. Uh, Good afternoon, Larry. Uh, It's always a pleasure to speak with you. You know, it's been, uh, I just was thinking about it this morning, we've been friends for over 25 years and done this show a few times together. Absolutely. Good job. And you're still a White Sox fan. I'm especially well. That's true. <laughs> Tough year. I'm especially happy today because we've got such an interesting topic to talk about, and we're very fortunate to have such a highly respected national authority to share his insights with. No, no question about that. So let me get right to it. Let me introduce our special guest, William Robinson III. Uh, Bill is the president of the American Bar Association. In fact, recently elected as such. He's member in charge of the Northern Kentucky office of Frost Brown Todd LLC, a regional law firm with offices in Kentucky, Ohio, Tennessee, West Virginia, and Indiana. He's currently serving, as I said, the president of the American Bar for a one-year term, which began on August 8th. Uh, that's not so long ago, Bill. Welcome to Ringler Radio. Well, thank you very much, Larry, and uh, you also, Mike. It's a real privilege to be here and to participate in this discussion. Terrific. Well, as you've... Uh, taken office, I guess, of just about a month or so uh, ago. Uh, your term has begun. There are a lot of issues facing the legal profession today. So let's start by discussing some of the problems that exist in the courts. Uh, I know it's one of the ABA's top priority issues. Talk about some of the more pressing issues, Bill, and, and how you hope to deal with them. Uh, thank you very much, Larry. I suspect that uh, many of our listeners will be shocked to learn facts about the woeful underfunding of our courts in this country, and I'm talking about across the country in every state in this country. Hmm. We have a situation where not a single state in this country allocates more than 3%, 3% of its annual operating budget to the entire court system in each state. We're talking, of course, about one of the three co-equal branches of government, <laughs> And this past year, fiscal year 10, 40 out of 50 states actually slashed state court funding. The situation continues to be worse in the spring of this year. In New York, a $178 million cut to the state court system uh, was adopted. And almost immediately, 500 people in the court system lost their jobs. The judges there have not had a raise in 12 years. The situation is extremely dire. Out in California, it's as bad or worse. We have out there a recent cut 
in the California judicial budget of over $300 million. I think it's approximately $350 million, causing uh, approximately a third of the courts in San Francisco to be closed. And while they have gained a little cash more recently, uh, it's also been announced that San Francisco will have to lay off 40% of its court personnel because of, because of the cuts in the judicial budget out there in in six states, believe this or not, in six states in this country, including Alabama, the courts are closed are closed one day a week, hmm. only open four days a week, and in New Hampshire, uh, Chief Justice then Chief Justice John Broderick had to close the courts for a year for all ju- civil jury trials. So I can go on and on about the statistics, but the reality for our constitutional democracy is that the courts are being underfunded and the American people needs to be awakened. Our profession needs to stand up and cry out for needed funding for our courts. Well, Bill, this is Mike. Uh, You know, I I enjoyed very much the article that you had put out uh, back in August on this subject, and, and I could tell from that. I, apparently, there was an indication that there were 29 states that were facing budget cutbacks, but that sounds like that's a, quite an understatement. Yes, uh, the and, and mentioned to in there, yeah, that the courts were closing on Friday in Alabama. Is this a obviously it's a crisis? Is this something that um, is sweeping the country and 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 is going to continue? Well, it's uh, it has swept the country. This is a reality we're living with. And the sad part is it continues to get worse. I was encouraged recently to hear on National Public Radio that Governor Rick Scott in Florida Mm -hmm. has announced that the number one issue in the next legislature of Florida for him and his administration will be additional funding for our courts. And I was encouraged to read and learn recently that in New York, a commission set up by the legislature has recommended a 23% increase in judicial compensation over the next three years. But of course, that still has to be ratified by the legislature before it's fully adopted. And we don't know what changes might be made in that before it becomes law. So there are spots of of potential change for the better. But by and large, um, our court situation is dire and getting worse. Bill, tell us about the task force uh, that the ABA set up to investigate the court underfunding. In the past year, the American Bar Association set up what we call the Task Force on the Preservation of the Justice System. It is, from the beginning, co-chaired by David Boys and Ted Olson. Uh, you'll remember them as the, the protagonist representing uh, Bush and Gore yes. in that dispute that went all the way to the Supreme Court. David Bowie is a Democrat, Ted Olson a, a Republican. This is a bipartisan, nonpartisan, really, effort on, on behalf of the association and the profession to focus on this issue around the country and bring more public attention to it. Public hearings have been held around the country, and some of the facts and the information that I've been sharing with you has come out of has come out of those hearings. We're continuing that uh, task force into this this ABA year. Uh, both uh, lawyers, great lawyers, very busy lawyers, uh, have committed to another year of leadership of this effort. And the profession, the American Bar Association, is very determined to cast a big spotlight on this issue because. We need to persuade our legislators to find more money to more adequately fund our courts. Courts courts are, in constitutional democracy terms, really like an emergency room. 
I very seldom, thank God, use my emergency room where I live in northern Kentucky on the south side of Cincinnati. But I sleep better every night, and I know that my neighbors are using the emergency room. And no one would ever think it acceptable to close an emergency room one day a week or to close a firehouse one day a week or a police station one day a week. So, so too, with the courts. This is the one safe place where our rights are protected, where contracts are enforced for small business, where a mother... Um, dealing with violence in the home or drugs, trying to protect their children, comes for protection and relief. These courts are essential to the to the constitutional democracy that has that has characterized our nation from its beginning. And uh, we as lawyers certainly need to stand up for the courts. No question about that. Bill, you've been uh, practicing law for, uh, I guess, about 40 years now. Yes, sir. 40 years this year. Terrific. And this tough economy we've been going through these past uh, past times, they forced some changes in the practice of law. What are some of the trends you're seeing uh, in the practice based upon uh, economic hard times? Well, we, we had a two- or three-year downturn here that's been painful for the profession economically across the board, uh, from our largest firms uh, to middle-sized and solo and small firm practitioners. Technology is the future, the present and the future of the profession. It is the key to lawyers remaining competitive. It is the key to serving clients with the timeliness that's expected today. Uh, Technology is the key to our future as a profession, and it is a dominant factor in the uh, in the future of the practice of law. Mm -hmm. Uh, Smaller firms seem to survive a little better in this uh, in this uh, I don't know that we can call it a recession, but we certainly can call it an economic downturn. Uh, but uh, fortunately, there has been some improvement, it appears, across the board. But there there are still uh, many, many lawyers out there looking for work, looking for opportunities. And um, and it's a challenging situation for the profession as a whole. Do you, do you see a lot of firms merging and, and trying to combine to get some economies of scale? Certainly, that continues to be a trend. Mm-hmm. Um Read, read our national uh, professional publications, and it's uh, it's infrequent not to not to pick up one and see one or the other merger occurring, or at least being discussed and looked into. Interesting. Well, what what about the statistics on trials versus settlements? Are you seeing any shift in uh, cases that are going to trial versus trying to be settled? Uh, has mediation helped in there? Where, where where are the where are the numbers laying on that right now? Well, the American Bar Association does not track. Uh, does not track the number of trials or, hmm. or the cases that go to verdict. Uh, we, we, we don't we don't do that. We haven't had the resources to do that uh, on a national level. But uh, there are surveys out there on that subject. The American Lawyer Media, as you know, does a survey of law firm economics, and it recently reported findings uh, that, among other things, um, American Law Media found that law firm managers expect their litigation practices to be the most likely to succeed in mm-hmm. the coming year due to the economic downturn. People are having apparently more disagreements over more subjects, and including disagreements in the business field. So, so litigation itself seems to be up. Um, some law firms do look at these issues. For example, Fulbright and Jaworski does an independent annual litigation trends survey of corporate counsel, and that survey showed that in 2010, just last year, 
40% of the 275 U.S. corporate counsel who responded to the survey expect increases in litigation because of the economic downturn. This is consistent, of course, with the American Lawyer Media Survey that I just made reference to. More, more than a quarter of those surveyed expect their companies to face an increase in the number of disputes. So from, from their perspective and the results of their surveying, it, the indication is that litigation is up and will continue to be up. Bill, an interesting uh, situation where we expect an increase in litigation and, and are looking at underfunded and overburdened courts. Yes, <laughs> isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Uh, you know, Bill, we as structured settlement brokers work very closely, mostly personal injury attorneys, whether plaintiff or defense, and, and our role is to help develop a, a solution or solve the resolution of suits for, that is best for both parties. Um, can you give uh, our audience an example of why that teamwork and, uh, and effort is, is important uh, personally to the uh, clients that we have in those personal injury cases? Well, first of all, let me say as a matter of disclosure that uh, our oldest son, uh, Tay Robinson is a structured settlement broker. Oh, I know Tay, a great guy. Yeah, Thank terrific. you. Thank you very much. We're very proud of his success and his work with lawyers uh, around the country. And I have come to learn in my own practice as as a civil litigator that structured settlements are consistently a very useful tool when it comes to resolving matters before the full expense of trial and appeal and even after verdict and before appeal is concluded, uh, structures can be very, very useful in bringing parties together because essentially what structured settlements allow us to do is talk less in the negotiations about the strength or weakness of the opponent's case and look for ways to meet uh, the needs of the injured party by taking uh, whatever is available to try to resolve the case and package it in a way that really appeals to that plaintiff's personal needs and interests, that person's family situation, that person's priorities for the future, whether it be concern about the education of a child, whether it be concern about uh, the care of an elderly parent dependent upon that plaintiff, uh, whether it be long-term care that needs to be funded over time. Structured settlements are very effective in bringing parties together to find solutions um, as opposed to just debating issues of law and questions of evidence. Well, that's a very keen insight. Yeah, no uh, question. And give my best to Tay. Uh, Thank you, know, you. I will. Uh, attorneys uh, giving back is an especially uh, essential aspect to the profession. And uh, and I think uh, that that profession should be very proud of what they accomplish. Uh, tell us about the Lawyers Giving Back program at the ABA. Well, in March of this year, and I really appreciate you bringing up the subject, in March of this year, uh, we began in each issue of the ABA Journal to have a feature toward the end of the journal, which is four pages in length, and which includes photographs, action photographs, of lawyers in local communities and in state and local bar associations, as well as in the ABA, working for others, giving back to their communities, making a positive difference in the lives of those they have the privilege to serve. Uh, these are not pictures of lawyers who are unique. Uh, these are pictures of lawyers who are characteristic of what lawyers 
all over this country have been doing throughout our history. Mm-hmm. It isn't seen often by the public as a whole because we don't have much focus upon it. But in the American Bar Association, we are reminding uh, those within our profession and those out in the community at large that lawyers historically have consistently volunteered and made a positive difference in their local communities. We believe that when the public correctly sees lawyers for the great public service that is contributed by lawyers, they'll have a higher opinion of lawyers because they'll understand what lawyers do much better. Uh, Larry, I would make one follow-up on that. I I attended last night in Chicago a Constitutional Rights Foundation meeting. There must have been 400 lawyers attending that for the sole purpose of engaging youth in democracy, and they contributed not just money, but time and effort. And it is really very impressive. Mm, terrific. No no question about that. I like to say, Mike, that when it comes to when it comes to volunteerism, when it comes to public service, when it comes to pro bono representation, this is not just what lawyers do. This is part of our DNA. This really is who we are. Right. And right. and I've challenged friends for years and years to find me one one legitimate nonprofit organization that doesn't have at least one lawyer giving either money, time, sweat, leadership, representation free of charge, and so on. And so far, nobody's ever come back to me with a with a nonprofit that that doesn't have a lawyer playing some key role in that organization. Well, you know, every every organization needs a good lawyer, and uh, to be able to have that kind of volunteerism is a is a tremendous uh, asset, especially in economic times. And a lot of these nonprofits and others can't uh, can't afford to be spending a lot of money. So I I, I commend you for that. Another issue uh, impacting the legal community, Bill, is technology. Uh, there's no secret that. Technology seems to have changed the game, uh, not just in the legal profession. I guess I, I'd hate to be a bookstore owner or a, or a video store owner these days. I mean, the way technology is making some uh, businesses and, and entire industries obsolete. I think but, borders might agree with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what are your thoughts uh, on the lawyer's use of technology? And I'm really talking about uh, some of the social media, the blogs, uh, especially as it relates to uh, advertising by lawyers. I- I'm old enough to remember when advertising by lawyers was considered either unethical or forbidden, uh, and-, and now it's changed, of course. But the, the way the, so- the social media, the Twitter and the, and the Facebooks, et cetera, are moving on, how does it impact uh, lawyers' advertising? What are your thoughts on that? Well, there's no doubt that technology drives change in our profession. Law- lawyers can work faster, more efficiently, in order to compete in the global marketplace. Legal technology is critical in enabling lawyers to deliver legal services with greater quality at a lower cost. Uh, As you know, the ABA is in the forefront of responding to the ethical and regulatory impact of advances in technology, as well as increasing globalization in the legal profession. Our commission on Ethics 2020 has for the last two years and is now in its third year looking at the practice of law globally and looking at new technologies with an eye toward protecting client confidences and ensuring that lawyers' ethical obligations are met. Technology is simply the wave of the future that every successful lawyer is riding or trying to ride. No question about that. It it affects all of us. And I know Mike and I... uh all the time we, 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 in our own offices, try to 
implement certain technological advances to help us, but there's nothing uh, more effective, and I know, Bill, in your, in your profession as well, nothing more effective than being face-to-face with the client or face-to-face with the adversary, and uh, whether it's through mediation or, or whether just across the table in discussions, uh, I'm not a big fan of these long-distance telephone-type uh, video screen things. I think oftentimes it's good to be in there and shake that person's hand and look them in the eye and, and see what's going on. What, what are your thoughts on, on that? Well, video conferencing, I'm convinced, is the future Mm -hmm. for the practice of law, especially when the practice of law is seen in global terms. The cost of travel has increased so dramatically and seems to be continuing to increase for business travelers. Uh, The the costs associated with traveling in terms of hotel and ground transportation, room, and so on, uh, makes uh, distance communication and conferencing and negotiation ever, ever more of a reality. Mm -hmm. Given the great work of Professor Fred Lederer at William & Mary with Courtroom 21 and all of his and his department's great work experimenting with different ways to use distance learning, distance communication, distance interaction through state-of-the-art teleconferencing, which, by the way, now has virtually no latency involved with it. Mm -hmm. The, The communication is instant, and conference centers are being set up so that when one sits in one room, the room that uh, is seen on the screen with people in it seems to be an extension of the room in which really? the person on this end is sitting. So it, it's going to be refined. It, it never will be, I agree with you, a, a complete substitute for that direct handshake, look in the eye, mm-hmm. body language analysis that goes into interpersonal negotiations. But it's it's increasingly becoming much closer to that, and the cost savings yeah. makes it uh, much more practical. It's, it's in fact, the reality of the future, and uh, we all have to learn to cope with it and deal with it. But, uh, you know, there's always something that you lose, I think, uh, as we move forward technologically, uh, even though we advance. I think there's a little bit of, uh, maybe it's nostalgia. I don't know, Mike. Maybe we're getting a little old. Yeah, I think, yeah, maybe <laughs> because we've been in the business as long as we have. They'll drag us out there, though, Lair. We're uh, going to be there. We'll be there, too. Well, let's take a quick break right now and be back in a minute with attorney Bill Robinson, the newly elected president of the ABA, and Mike Casey from our Chicago office. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for 35 years. Ringler Radio is celebrating its sixth year right here on the Legal Talk Network, produced by broadcast professionals. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. Experience counts. Over $23 billion in structures benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? 
I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. Think you might like to have us create your own podcast on LegalTalkNetwork.com? Go to the website and send us an email. Or just give us a call at 781-551-9960. It's the best move you'll make in legal marketing. You never have enough friends or followers, right? Check out Legal Talk Network on Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn too. Well, welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. My co-host today, Mike Casey from our Chicago office, and of course our special guest, Bill Robinson, president of the American Bar Association. Well, Bill, because of the economic downturn, a lot of graduating law students are having a, a more difficult time finding a job. Uh, I hear this uh, a lot from a lot from my own children's friends. They're also dealing with the reality of paying off student loans. Uh, what does it look like out there for students today? And what is the ABA doing when it comes to transparency and legal education? It's not a not an easy road right now. The, the Council uh, of the Section of Legal Education and Admissions to the Bar, uh, which is a part of the ABA, and its accreditation committee uh, are both recognized by the U.S. Department of Education as the only federal accreditors for programs leading to the first degree in law. Mm-hmm. In this function, the section and its council are separate and independent of the ABA as required by DOE regulations. And as you've read, and I suspect almost everyone um, who might be listening to this has read, um, there are Issues out there involving um, affordability of law schools, transparency as to uh, the job market following law school, and so on that are that are under consideration and getting lots of attention in the media. But whenever I talk about legal education in this country, I always make it a point to emphasize, for starters, that we have, without a question. We have the absolutely best system of legal education in the history of the world and that exists in this world today. That is an absolute fact. No the quality of our faculties, uh, the the development and increasing focus on clinical programs, uh, legal education today is doing a better and better job to have lawyers ready to step into their fields of practice as they come out of law school. And this is all to the benefit of the public at large. I'm very proud of the work that our law schools do d- does. That that work is critical to the future of our profession. And I still am convinced that when it comes to postgraduate education, education after the baccalaureate, I'm still convinced that the law degree is absolutely the 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 degree that opens up more doors of opportunity. Uh, for a young person, um, a student moving beyond undergraduate education than any other degree that's out there. No question about that. You took over, Bill, uh, the reins of the president as president of the ABA for the next year, and you pledged no new initiatives citing the uh, current economic environment. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I, I learned something at home a long time ago that I've never forgotten. And the, and the saying at home goes, if we don't worry about who gets the credit, it's <laughs> amazing what we can accomplish. 
<laughs> and I, when I when I ran for president of the ABA, I said it was not about me, and it's not about me. Uh, under Steve Zach's dynamic leadership last year and the leadership of our officers and board of governors, we started a number of initiatives, including the task force on the preservation of the justice system, which we which we just discussed. Uh, we also have a task force uh, with regard to being prepared for disaster. Uh, responsibility, and so on. We also have a task force on civics, which is developing a national program for lawyer volunteers to go out into the communities and into the schools and teach civics education. One, we, we think that one of the problems with the underfunding of the courts is related to the fact that so many among the public uh, have not been taught civics for two generations. They don't, they don't understand the role of the courts in our constitutional democracy. Our polling shows us consistently that a shockingly high percentage of the American public can name every judge on American Idol, yeah. first name and last name, You're not kidding. but can't name a single judge on the U.S. Supreme Court, including our chief justice. No question. And when asked, when asked to identify the three branches of government, too many respond, Republican, Democrat, and Independent. It's, it's a shockingly sad situation, but, but our general public simply hasn't been taught and doesn't understand the critical role of the courts as one of the, one of the three co-equal branches of government in preserving our constitutional democracy. We also have a, a commission on Hispanic rights and responsibilities, uh, which is led by Cesar Alvarez of Florida, which has just done an exceptional job of bringing more attention to the need for Hispanic advancement and recognition of Hispanic talent. And that that is continuing into this year as well. All four of these initiatives is going forward this year to ultimately become part of the fabric of the association structure being woven into our other entities. But right now, all four of these initiatives are, are continuing this year. They are doing great work, and they're having a very positive impact. No question about it. Thank you. Well, you know, Bill, even with all of the changes that we've been discussing here today that have occurred in the legal profession and in litigate the world of litigation, uh, the one true constant is a lawyer's motivation to help their clients get a fair and just result. And I'm sure you'd agree with that. Absolutely. So before we close, what, what's comment a little bit about that? And then give us what is your main message that you'd like to send out during your term as president of the ABA, some of the goals every, you have. Every lawyer is an officer of the court, regardless of other recognitions, titles, offices, achievements we may attain as lawyers there is no more sacred designation than officer of the court. And being an officer of the court brings with it responsibilities as well as privileges. One of those responsibilities is to stand up and speak up for our courts, especially in our time when they are so woefully underfunded, because the courts are the safe place for families, for individual citizens, for small business, for everyone in America. And as an officer of the court, there's nothing, nothing more important than we can undertake. If, if we can get that message out and we can awake, awaken the intellects 
and the energies of our lawyers across this country, as I believe we are doing, uh, I believe that we'll have a very positive impact on this issue, and we will see positive change coming in the foreseeable future. Well, I'm sure we all look forward to that, and uh, you're going to have a very busy and I'm sure very uh, productive year ahead of you, so good luck with all that. Well, thank you very much. Uh, It's a privilege for me to be uh, in this role. Uh, Needless to say, I'm very committed to it. And I want want to recognize and thank my law firm, Frost Brown Todd, that you generously mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, My law firm has been so supportive and has made it possible for me to be in this position and to have as my client really this year the American Bar Association as my first fiduciary responsibility and commitment. A lawyer in my position could not begin to do this without the full support of my law firm, and I never miss an opportunity to thank them for that support. Well, they're setting the very example you talked about earlier about giving back, and uh, yes. that's a very important function. Yes, indeed. So, Bill, if someone wanted to contact you, one of our listeners, uh, where would they? how would they do that? Well, the easiest way to get a hold of me is by email, of course, mm-hmm. W. Robinson, W-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N, at FBT for Frost Brown Todd mm-hmm. at FBTlaw.com. Terrific. And yeah. my office phone number, my direct dial is 859-817-5901. Great. And Mike, how about yourself? Well, first, I just want to thank Bill. His insights on the situation we're facing in our judicial system, his overview of, of, the, of the status of uh, attorneys across the country and their contributions. Uh, it, it's very and even a very insightful look at our business. Larry, yeah, very much so. Knowledge of structured settlements role. Uh, it's been been very helpful to, and we very much appreciate your uh, providing that. I can say this: the ABA is well represented. Uh, no question. Following your, I w- well, thank I w- you, thank you very much, gentlemen. It's been my privilege uh, in every aspect of this conversation. And I thank you for giving us this opportunity. Well, Bill, I, I just wish that more lawyers and judges had uh, relatives in the structured settlement business. That would be great <laughs> for all of us. Well, well with that, Understood. Well, with that I just <laughs> There's always room for progress. There you go. With that, I want to remind our audience that you can reach any Ringler Associate on ringlerassociates.com. Uh, I encourage you to go to the website. It's been uh, revamped. It's uh, terrific. Uh, and, of course, you can listen to Ringler Radio shows on ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com. You can download them onto your iPod, listen to them as you uh, exercise in the morning. You might even listen to Bill Robinson and Mike Casey as we talk about his role as president of the ABA, Bill. Uh, with that, I want to thank all of our uh, audience for listening. I want to thank you, Bill. Thank you, Mike, for joining us today. And Thank for the you, rest sir. of you out there, have a great day. Thanks, Bill. Upward and onward. Take care. Thanks. Thank you, guys. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio in its sixth year on Legal Talk Network with over a half a million listeners. Ringler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in physical injury claims. 
Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.